to Affect Autism, where Affect is the number one tool we use in supporting child development through playful interactions. If you're a caregiver looking to implement your own floor time approach, please see the Parents Menu at ICDL.com, the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning, for the virtual floor time consultations for parents. There you can schedule an appointment, look at the virtual DIR home program services, and see the weekly parent support meetings registration. We aim to help you implement the developmental individual differences relationship-based model at home, taking into account where your child is developmentally and their individual sensory processing differences within your safe and nurturing relationship to promote and support their developmental potential. Hello, welcome back listeners. I have two returning guests Today, Dr. Kathy Platzman from Floor Time Atlanta is a clinical psychologist, and we have Colette Ryan, who is completing her doctorate as we speak, uh, working on it with Fielding. She is an infant mental health specialist, and Kathy's in Atlanta. Colette is in upstate New York. I'm in Toronto, and we are going to talk today about constrictions in development. So this is something that when you take the DIR floor time courses and learn about the model, you learn about the functional, emotional, developmental capacities, which is a, a progression of development, developmental stages that kids go through. And you learn the way neurotypical children go through them and the ages that they go through them. But for kids on the spectrum, this developmental trajectory looks very different. It's very unique for each individual. And it's been quite a journey watching my son progress through all of these developmental capacities. But one thing that is clear when you're presenting case studies in the certificate courses is that you, you talk about where the child is developmentally at these different stages, how these developmental capacities are impacted by their individual differences in sensory processing profiles and by the relationship with people that they're interacting with and all of these things interact. But one thing that we haven't really focused on ever on the podcast yet is this idea of constrictions. So I was having a talk uh, just for the benefit of Kathy and Colette, I don't think I told you this. Um, I was having a chit chat with the CEO of ICDL, Jeff Gunzel, and I was talking about how my son is really obsessed with how old is it, no matter what. If here's your sandwich, how old is it? Here's a new toy, how old is it? Um, here's what, it doesn't matter what it is, who it is, how old is it? Uh, we go to the toy store, how old is Toys R Us? We go to Mastermind Toys, how old is Mastermind Toys? Um, we went on vacation, every single place, you know, how old's the gas station? And then the other thing he's saying is, um, does he have a pet? So how old is the delivery man? I, I don't know who the delivery man was. How, does he have a pet? How old is the pet? So we were just talking a little bit about that. I was saying it's sort of like he's figuring out that sense of time that he's been working on. He used to always say how much longer till and things like that. He sort of progressed through that. Now he's working on this other aspect of the sense of time. And Jeff pointed out something that I hadn't even thought of uh, because I haven't thought about it, to be honest. But if I had thought about it, I don't know if I would have come up with this or not, that he might have constrictions at the fifth capacity which is that idea of, um, you know, emotional, um, creating emotional ideas and, and everything that goes into that transition into the abstract world. 
And so while his imaginary play has started to take off a little bit more, it was um, started in the fourth capacity and he's sort of carrying the themes a little bit more and it's nice to see. Uh, there might be some constrictions that are impacting the sixth capacity and I thought I will have to look into that. So who better to discuss it with than these two DIR expert trainers. Um, Kathy, let's start with you. Okay. Um, so, you know, the idea of, I love the way you, you said how these capacities unfold in typical development, kind of one after the other after the other. But the thing that's not said is just because you have been working on a developmental capacity and you can kind of check it off the list, like it became strong and robust is usually what that means, dependably there, doesn't mean it's always there. And so, for example, the first developmental capacity to stay calm, focused, alert, in attention, behavior, and mood, no matter what's happening and kind of staying vaguely connected to people, that's something that is foundational and it disappears for everybody, whether typically developing or not. When under duress, the definition of under duress is you lose your ability to stay calm, focused and alert while taking in information. Um, so just because we're typically developing and we have checked it off that list doesn't mean it's solid and robust all the time. It means it's typically there. And so when we look at children who have been struggling with their developmental capacities, we'll often see it's almost like a blinking light. That capacity is strong and then weak and strong and then weak. And we look very, very, very diligently at what, what is associated with it being stronger and weaker and stronger and weaker. So that's the beginning of it. We, we, we kind of teach these capacities in an order, but it really should be this kind of, I guess it's kind of a circle that goes up and up and up and up and up because it can be the strong side, the weak side. That's the first thing that I think is important to remember about that. So when you look at those foundational capacities, the first two are the ones that often abandon us under stress. And then that kind of cascades into making the other ones a little weaker. The second one is engagement. This idea of staying engaged robustly and strongly, no matter what. And um, Colette and I do a lot of teaching of, of developing clinicians, people who are trying to embrace this model. And it's a very common thing where you go back to the candidate that's learning this stuff and say, are you sure that that child was calm and regulated. Are you sure you were regulating that child enough? Okay, was the engagement strong? Did you feel like you really had him with you? When, when we see somebody get weaker at the first developmental capacity, you can see attention wander, behavior become impulsive, mood getting kind of sour. But when engagement kind of loses its strength and robustness, what you see is a little cutoff, a little cutoff, a little feeling of you didn't take me along with you there. You started playing with that bus all by yourself, even though I was chitter chattering around and I was trying to engage, you stopped engaging with me or the clinician can stop engaging um, sometimes too. So we always look at who is, is, are you still with me? Once you get calm and co-regulated and you're with somebody, magic happens developmentally. So we pay a, a lot of attention to those developmental capacities. I'm looking at constrictions from two different ways. The first one is thinking about it within our home program, the, the DIR home program. When we're talking to parents and we think about constrictions, we, we have this great phrase, we talk about Swiss cheese. 
there are holes in in the development going up the developmental capacities. And while your your little one might be able to do some of that really great pretend play at capacity five, we lose that engagement sometimes. And so I, I think about the idea of constrictions in that way. And where is the child just not really firm and solid in their development? But then the other piece I look at, as Kathy said, we both teach a lot. And when we're talking to participants in our 201 and 202 classes, we're asking them to look at the individual that they're doing their presentation on and think about their level of mastery. Is that individual mastered, constricted, emerging, emerging with support really present or not present at all in their development at that particular capacity? And what when we think about constrictions in that way, typically it means that the capacity is there, but if there's a, you know, maybe a certain situation, a certain emotion, a certain feeling that kind of gets in the way of that. So I, I look at constrictions as it's there, but oh yeah, doesn't always go the way we want to. And what do we need to do to support that? What are the supports, the scaffolding that we need to supply so that that individual gets stronger and firmer? Typically it's a higher affect or a lower affect, depending on the individual. We might have to tune more into their sensory system to get that ooey-gooeyness, to get that just rightness so we won't see so many constrictions. Yeah, I, I really think we should dive into that a little bit further about that um, um, all the different things you said, emerging, emerging with support, etc. Because um, I, I always use my son as an example, because that's the biggest example uh, that I have. Um, you know, throughout his development, he's always had constrictions at the first, uh, mm -hmm. first and second uh, capacities. Mm -hmm. He'll get dysregulated quite easily. If, you know, if maybe it's something that he's not interested, and he gives up. And that could be related to his motor planning. So we had um, a week at Modlerou's clinic a few years ago where he wanted to, he, she could tell that he, in his head, knew what he wanted done. He wanted something constructed, but he didn't have the motor planning to put it all together. So he says, do this, you do this, you do this. And he does that at school too. He like gets all the people to put this there, you do this, you do this. And um, it it's something that can be constricted, not only by being dysregulated, because it's too loud, or people are yelling, or you're in a new environment, but even things like those individual differences, like motor planning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, the, 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 it's so funny, because usually the way we teach this is, well, here are these developmental capacities. Here's what they look like when they're strong. Here's what they look like when they're Swiss cheesy. Uh, you know, now figure out what level of support to make them robust. And then the second thing we say is analyze why this constriction is there. It's usually something found in individual differences. Usually within that frame of individual differences, you look at sensory motor differences first, and usually either the sensory input is too much or the demand for sequencing and motor output is, um, is quite constricted. So it, it, it becomes a very fluid ball of, of things where you've got developmental capacities with Swiss cheese, 
with weakness that needs different levels of support at different times for different reasons. Oh, different reasons. The why, you know, so the D in the DIR is the what we are looking at. The I in DIR is why something might be strong, weak, different. Um, I don't know. I often use that phrase. Well, the planets have to be in alignment for him, this person, for, in myself too. The planets have to be in alignment for me to have a, a good day, a strong day, right? Well, what do I mean by the planets need to be in alignment? Maybe I need a good night's rest. The older I get, the more that is, well, how restful was your sleep last night? Um, am I eating correctly? You know, it's all those things are a body level. Uh, but then it can also be, I just, I just spent a day in traffic. I just spent an hour in traffic and my, my sensory motor system was really challenged. And I come home and I, my developmental capacities are not all that strong as my loved ones can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I also think we can add on top of that relationships because we certainly have different relationships with different people. And there are some relationships where kiddos can get really strong on some of the capacities because there's attunement there. And then there's other relationships without that attunement that just don't, don't work their best. And so kiddos aren't able to get um, really robust in, in, in interactions on that capacity because the relationship doesn't support it. And we're, we're at this time of year in the school year where we're just discovering for some of our clients that their teachers are in sync with them or their teachers are not, you know, and I know certainly with my own children, there were years where there was just, it was the planets were in alignment and that usually meant the relationship with the teacher was extremely strong. The teacher got my kid or the chemistry was right. And there were certainly the opposite years where you, you could tell the first day of school, no, nobody's connecting. Nobody's getting my kids. So, yeah. yeah I was never... thinking the same thing, Kathy, and also how Dr. Greenspan would would emphasize uh, really going to the child's home and seeing them in their best light to really get that idea of where they can be developmentally, because he described how most assessments are, you know, in a strange office with strange people under demanding circumstances, and then the child has a meltdown and and you get these letters like, I found your child difficult to assess, which is the letter we yeah. got. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's, um, it, it really makes a big difference. And I have um, uh, a really, a, a story that from something that happened the other day that really made me reflect um, a lot too. We were visiting my parents out of town um, before school began and we wanted, my son wanted to go see the new Paw Patrol movie and he he knew there was a new Paw Patrol movie, we told him, and we said, it's playing in the cinema. Maybe we can go when we're at Nanny and Grandpa's house, because where they live, I knew the cinema would be empty. And I was right, there was only one other person in the cinema with wow. a very young child. So we had the whole place to herself and with COVID and everything, of course, you want to be safer. So we talked about it, super excited, he wanted to go. And I'll give you a hint, Colette, meaning making is coming up. So we get there, we walk in and there's like, um, you walk into the theater. I don't know if it's like this at all theaters, but in this theater, you walk up a ramp and it's everything's dark. And then you, you sort of get to front of the screen and there's like a wall beside you. And then you turn and there's all the stairs and all the yeah. seats going up. So he walked in, he looked, he turned and he went, 
no, I want to go back to the car and started to run out. And I sort of hugged him and, and sort of um, kept him because I knew he really wanted to see the movie. And you and like Kathy says, pennies in the bank. I have those pennies in the bank with him. He trusts me. So I held him there and I explained, oh, look, it's the previews first. This is a different, this is the show. Look, we saw this show at the dentist's office. This is a new movie about like with the same characters. And I don't even know what it was. It was some like spooky haunted, like not the Adams family, but some cartoon along those lines. I don't know what it's <laughs> called, but the movie's coming out October 1st. And he's really into dates too. Like he knows when the new Mario Kart game is coming out October 29th. And so, so I said, oh, look, October 1st. So things that I knew would like pique his interest. And, and I could feel like I was sort of holding him from behind, giving him lots of, you know, feeling of, safety with my body and I could feel his heart beating super fast and he almost felt like he was shaking like it was really scary for him and I and I'll, I'll continue what happened but right away uh, when I got home I realized oh, that was different than he thought it was going to be yeah. whether it was that he thought Paw Patrol was going to be on the screen right away when he walked in or whether he didn't realize it was going to be super dark and all these stairs like who knows what it was but we hadn't prepared him enough. He'd only ever been to the cinema once before. And it was like at least five, six years ago to see a Thomas movie. It was an Autism mm -hmm. Ontario event. So all the lights were on, lots of kids were there. It was super friendly. We got there early, they gave gift bags. We met his friend. There was like lots of time to get ready. And then, oh, the movie's gonna start. And they introduced some people who had been involved in making the movie. This time we just walk in and there's something playing and it's strange. And so then, um, anyway, the movie started and, and a couple of times I said, oh, we got seats. We can go to, no, I want to go, I want to go. And he, and so I, I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's too soon. So I just sort of sat with him and the, we got into the theater at 630. Uh, my husband said it was 7 PM when we sat down. So for that long, it was the previews. And then the start of the movie, we stood in the hallway and watched it. And I, you could only see half the screen because he, he was so far back that he didn't want to go further anymore. And I was like, oh, look, is that Mayor Humdinger? Oh my goodness, look, there's so-and-so. And then he was getting excited. He's like, oh yeah, that's so-and-so. And, and he was getting excited. And so um, at some point I just said, oh, it's a little bit scary. It's not what you thought, you know, we can go to your seats when you're ready don't worry, mama's here, I'm with you. And I like reassured, reassured, reassured. And at some point I said, oh, we can go to your seats when we're ready and still nothing. And then eventually I said, would you like to go to our seats now? He like, let go, walked right up, went all the way to the top because I booked the back row, walked up yep. there and sat down and he was like Fine. so happy. And you know, the Paw Patrol came out at the to get the bad guys. He was like, yeah, and like cheering with his arms in the air, it was adorable. So I knew how bad he wanted to see it. And he absolutely loved the movie. And he told me that was amazing. That was great. But it took that long to transition him into the movie. And mm -hmm. had it not been COVID, we might have been kicked out of standing in the hallway. Or right. if there were other people there, they might like, even my husband was like, shh, shh, because, you know, he's commenting on the movie going, oh, there's Chase. And we're like, shh, shh, shh. But there was only one person there probably didn't mind maybe couldn't even hear us so all of these different factors made me realize like how things change and constrictions blow up in your face and it happens to all of us it's not just kids on the spectrum but because 
kids on the spectrum ha need a lot of support in different areas, we notice it a lot more. Correct. It's a great anecdote of getting the planets in alignment. Mm -hmm. So thank you, COVID, I guess. You had the luxury of making it your own private theater and then in reminding him about the meaning of this. As, as you were just talking, I was thinking we had a meeting this morning of people in my practice and we were talking about um, this, this thing that Dr. Greenspan said several times about challenging children that they need, after we understand their individual differences, we need to give them firm and warm boundaries. We give firm boundaries very warmly and we, we try as hard as we can to get symbolic representation so that the child can begin to think about these things symbolically rather than having to experience them. And, and that's all about constrictions. But we were having this incredible talk about why should you push, what should you do? Should you push towards symbolic thought? Should you push up the developmental ladder, push into the upper FEDCs, or should you make engagement and reciprocity solid, solid, solid as a rock? And then we concluded you do both at the same time, because when you get to do all the training that Colette done and have trained others to do, you realize that the clinician and the parent gets to think about all developmental capacities simultaneously. You can do that after a while where you go, one is, one is, you know, he's super engaged, but he can't keep his cool. Um, he's not opening any circles of communication. I'm the one making it look reciprocal. Do I go up to symbolic meaning making or do I go back to engagement? And it's just so much, I would call it, call it fun, but it, it gives me as a clinician this feeling of I, I can respect this child and I don't have to be a heavy. I don't have to say, well, suck it up. You're going in the movies. Nobody's going to hurt you, you know, which is what you might do if you aren't as key you know, clued into what individual differences really are and what those capacities Or our own FEDs saying, I paid $36 for yes. us to go here. Like we are going to see this movie, whether you like it or not kind of thing. Like all of these things, not being able to keep our own cool and be in the moment. And, you know, we weren't in a hurry, we're on vacation. Like, so I had all those luxuries, uh, which really made me realize like how difficult that can be in other situations. Like even the first day of school for many kids, might be super traumatic. It is. And, and I'm thinking what a gift it is to, to your son and for all floor time parents that they give their children, what a gift it is that you know the constrictions, you know how to align the planets as, as Kathy would say. Yeah. And that's a gift that we give our kiddos is to know the things that are going to be more difficult and, and having our bag of tricks are things like, okay, we'll stand in the hallway until you're ready. Or here's a, a you know, a, a hat with a brim so the lights won't be so much. Here's a piece of Velcro for your pocket in case you need to fidget with something. We're able to provide that, that scaffolding that an individual needs so that they can just be constricted and not just really present on those capacities. You know, and another thing too is, a Floor time approach allows for luxurious amounts of meaning making. Mm -hmm. um, most of us, um, I have a colleague that always talks about vacuum cleaners, that if you memorize that a vacuum cleaner is that thing that cleans the floor, but you don't have experience with it to make your own meaning for what a vacuum cleaner is, yes. uh, the sound of it, the, the, the scary thought of having a toy get sucked up to in it by, by accident, the, the whole thing about 
vacuum cleaners have a lot of sensory experiences to give you. And you can slowly gather all of them and say, I know what a vacuum cleaner is now. Um, uh, I think Dr. Greenspan used the, um, the example of an apple. An apple is not a piece of fruit that's red and round. It's that sticky thing that when you take a bite and the juice goes down your face, it makes your fingers feel funny. Um, you can pretend it's a ball. It tastes delicious. It's better in pie than it is in just a wedge. It's, you know, on and on and on. So appleness becomes a thing. And those of us that use DIR as a model luxuriate in getting sticky all over your face and getting, you know, making with big affect what all these appley and vacuum cleany things are. Mm -hmm. So what, what the, as I was thinking, as you were talking, Daria, it was, you haven't been back to the theater for six years. He's had one experience, which was wonderful about what a theater was. And now he adds to it as it's that dark place with previews going on that you have to wait until your movie comes up that you can stand in the hall if you need to. All those things make his theater, mm -hmm. theaterness now broader and bigger. And we can be patient and give him a lot more experience and maybe mm -hmm. after COVID's over, right. Right, and, and the fact that the two theaters were different. One, one theater, the lights were on, one theater, the lights were yeah. off. And so, they're both theaters. Right, and so an apple doesn't always have to be the red thing. It can be the green thing or the yellow thing and providing multiple experiences with it, we now have multiple ideas about what an apple is. So we don't have to be restricted. If you told me it's an apple, but it's not red, then it can't be an apple. So now we have multiple experiences with different colors and we make sense of it that way. And you just made me think of something else. When we saw the Thomas movie, because it was this sponsored Autism Ontario event, they actually gave all the kids a Thomas train you could go and they had all the Thomas trains in packages on a table and you could go pick one on the way out. So had we gone to the theater shortly after that, which we didn't, he might've been like, where's my toy? <laughs> that's right, right, right. That's <laughs> not right. understanding that that's not part of the movie theater. <laughs> but, you know, um, oh, go ahead. No, I was just thinking about theaters. I, I had the theater, my, my definition of my meaning of what a theater has also been changed during COVID because we were with my son, my whole family was together in Las Vegas and we wanted to see a movie, but we didn't want to get COVID. So one of the theaters that had this thing available is you can rent the whole theater for as many people as you want. And it was a hundred dollars. And so there were like six or seven of us, that was pretty cheap. They threw in free popcorn, free drinks. And we just sat there and it was the theater was, us. they even staggered the starts so you wouldn't run into another party. So Think of that for, for a moment now. I know what it feels like to be the only person in the theater with free popcorn and, yes. um, and feeling safe and wonderful and I can talk out loud mm -hmm. and I, all, all these things that weren't part of my theater experience before. So um, yeah, we've all had to broaden our definitions of things and it's been good for all of us. And we've even had to broaden our, the things that we do to align the stars. You know? Oh yeah so yeah. many new things we're having to provide and as floor timers we would call them supports what what supports do we need to supply the individual so that they can get to constricted i don't think anybody masters anything so, but that's just me i don't either but, oh I, yeah i totally agree yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I i want kiddos to be able to get to a point where 
yeah, I can do this capacity. This works for me, except, you know, if I haven't slept or if I didn't eat my breakfast or whatever it is. Um, but the, the, the things that we need to supply, those supports that we need to supply, I think have changed. And again, as floor-time parents, our caregivers, we have that wonderful ability to know what our kiddos need. We know what is going to regulate them. We know what we have to do to be able to engage them. And, and that is such a gift that we are able to give. You know, thinking, you know, thinking about constrictions, I said to Daria when she sent me this email about maybe could, could we do this podcast, was like, you know, it's almost like a combinations and permutations. What are all the other, you know, level six constricted, let's just say that's it. What configurations with constrictions in other capacities, forget the individual differences and the relationships for a moment, just think of what we would call the first six developmental capacities and how if you've got a, a weak six, but a strong five, what would that look like in a weak six? You know, most people are very interested in knowing that when your first developmental capacity of the ability to regulate or be regulated, we can easily see how that, that impacts everything, right? But sometimes uh, capacity three, for example, reciprocity, we just often as compensators, we make sure that it looks like a circle has opened and closed, but we notice that we're the one opening and the kid might be just closing, but not sincerely closing it because they're not opening any. Well, what are the constrictions and other capacities that could, that could account for that? It's almost like a crossword puzzle. It's kind of interesting. Just so unique to each person. Yeah. The why behind the what is, is it's a different fascinating. person. And, and I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. So my why behind the what is much different than it would have been yesterday when I had gotten enough sleep or, you know, the car alarm went off down the street from my school as I was walking to school. And so now I can't get as high in my capacities as what I would have yesterday when the car alarm didn't go off. So just the understanding of it's a constant wondering where is that individual in that particular moment at that particular day we have to see kiddos as floor timers and think okay where are they right now in this moment the d the individual differences what is affecting them the i and how am i going to develop my relationship in this moment the 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 r well as i said if the fire alarm goes off well my d and my i have changed but I'm going to use my R to support that individual through that difficulty. Exactly. Exactly. And I think of, of two different paths now. So I, I shared that movie story with a friend of mine who works um, in special education at the school board and sees autistic kids all the time. And um, she said that reminded her of the movie that Claire Danes played Temple Grandin, uh, moving yeah. in pictures or something where um, she said Temple Grandin as an adult said she went to the grocery store that she went to all the time one day, but the doors were different. So now they opened and closed and opened and closed automatically. And she was so dysregulated that she just stood there and watched them open and close and open and close over and over again before she could go in. I haven't seen the scene yet, but um, I remember the movie came out. I never did see it. I, I think I want to see it now, but it, it reminded me of how, um, you know, when I spoke with Virginia Spielman, Sensory Lifestyle Podcast and, and other OTs and 
all floor timers, you know, our goal is to get our children to the point where they can advocate for themselves and they can self-regulate. And by being that support and co-regulation for them, we're sort of aiding that process along. So my son wouldn't have been able to do that. He wanted to run to the car and go home. Whereas Temple Grandin as an adult was able to stand there and say, this is different, I'm freaking out, but I'm just gonna stand here and get used to it for a while. Mm-hmm. And so that, yeah. 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 Um, I, I'm reminded with all of this that, you know, what we ask our candidates and the participants that are in training courses with is often to reflect on their own capacities. And, you know, and don't be mistaken, you are not put together very well. You can just as be as dysregulated as the people we're trying to help. And I always use this as an example. Um, we had house guests and they, we left the coffee, you know, pot going and said, just, you know, make coffee for yourself if you get up before we do. Well, not only did they do that, but somebody used my cup. (laughs) And I didn't realize I had my cup, but my favorite cup and they chipped it. They chipped my favorite cup. Well, I was gracious. I was gracious that these things happen not to worry. I still can't get over it. I don't think. I don't Hopefully, think they're I'm not watching it. our podcast. I know. That's hope. That's hope. But they, I never gave on. They won't know that they, you know, many, many ship, many cups have been shipped in my house. But I'm telling you, I was dysregulated for the whole day. There's my cup, my favorite cup, and and it, inside me, I was saying, get over this, grow up. Mm-hmm. I was not okay for a while, right? No. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing so much because I'm exactly the same, Kathy. <laughs> like my husband will use something. I'll be like, don't use that. That's fine. And he'll look at me like, what? <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> right. But, I, but I'm also thinking, again, the gift of being a floor timer is that we get to say to you, that must have been so hard. Instead yeah. of somebody saying, get over it. <laughs> you're saying to you, that must have been so hard. So we're joining you in how you felt and not telling you that you should have felt differently. And I think that is, again, another one of those gifts that we have. And that's a that's a hard thing for some parents to do because it depending on your culture, depending on your ideas, your expectations, etc. Like if you think... I paid $36 for the three of us to go to this movie and and we we're going to see it. you wanted to see it. So what are you doing now? And you can make a big deal of it or you can just say, oh, well, like, or you could have just said, okay, let's go home and gone to the car and missed out on that experience. Or, you know, having, you know, some people will say, oh, you have a lot of patience. Well, in that situation, I do have a lot of patience. There's lots of other situations where I have no patience and my FEDCs are constricted. Um, and luckily, our, my husband and I balance each other out in that way. We, we different things dysregulate us. So that works. But um, the other thing that uh, it made me think of is when I think about um, some of the podcasts I've done with Dr. Tippy, where we talk about doing floor time with older, uh, with youth, with adults, and the value of challenging as well. So there is this fine line between, okay, there are constrictions, we need to respect that we need to support. But you can also over support to the point where, you know, my my sweet angel has everything that's so easy for him, that now he doesn't have the skills to apply it in the real world. 
Um, and that's where I'm working on right now, having had a quote unquote toddler for eight years developmentally, he's now moved into, he's capable of so much more than he used to be, but he's still my little baby and I still treat him like my little toddler and I'm still putting on his socks for him and drying him off when he gets out of the bath and doing everything for him when, when I need to help him be able to do the stuff himself. And he might have constrictions that, you know, this is too hard and get frustrated and, and have constrictions that first capacity. Um, so I don't know if you guys wanted to say anything about that. To me, that's one of the hardest things that parents of anybody with a special need or parents in general have to deal with is when do you let go? When do you, when do you, when do you let go? And you never know you again, one of the gifts of floor time, I don't know if call it would agree, but about two thirds of what we do are mistakes. So we get really comfortable <laughs> with like overshooting, undershooting, but again, you have nothing to do, but try. And it is always um, a good thing to reach to see if, if this kid is capable of something. I think um, Stuart Shanker had a great story about Dr. Greenspan uh, urging him to let his kid play hockey. And when, when Stuart knew his kid was not ready to play hockey and turns out his kid could play hockey. Right. So I think a lot of this is takes courage and it takes everybody talking to other people to give you courage. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you have got to just try and let, let kids make mistakes and let them know it's okay to make mistakes because that's a good thing to know. Um, but you've got to know your kid well enough to know if he, if I make a mistake here, is this too much to recover from? You can take a good guess whether the kid can make a mistake and fall back, you know, and be okay. But it's hard. It's really hard. It's still hard. No matter what age your kids are, it's still hard. And, and for some parents, the doing for instead of doing with oh. um, supports them in avoiding difficulties. You know, when, mm -hmm. when, when parents are faced with, he's going to have a meltdown if I make him put his shoes on by himself. Or if I put the shoes on, we can get out the door and get there on time. Mm -hmm. They're going to put the shoes on themselves. Right. Right. And so supporting parents in making those small steps to allow some of that independence, but also do it in a way that supports the child in learning it. So instead of making them put their shoes on themselves, maybe mom or dad or caregiver puts the shoe on and all the child has to do is pull the tongue out. And now, wow, you got your shoe on. That's so great. Um, and, and do a little bit what we call backwards chaining in order for that child to be successful at that task. So supporting parents in, in their efforts of avoiding meltdowns by doing things for them also, I think is important. I think, I think one of the, your anecdote about waiting, waiting out the storm while your kid was ready to go into that theater shows a really important um, thing that we want parents to do and you, you do it automatically, I think, Daria, and that is just to stay and wait and stay and wait. You don't have to do anything other than stay. You know, I often talk to myself like I'm a dog on a leash, just stay with this kid, just stay, just stay, just stay. And that's really what you did. And it had a little magic to it. I mean, you did more than just stay. You started pointing out, you know, things that would encourage him. You pointed out the meaning of going into the theater and you reminded him that Paw Patrol's pretty important stuff and all that stuff awaited inside those doors. Mm -hmm. Very well done. Very floor timey of you, Daria. 
<laughs> well, it was really cute because um, I had said to my parents before we went, I said, oh, I don't really feel like going and seeing a Paw Patrol movie. It actually was hilarious and great. Okay. Like, I loved it. <laughs> and it had um, a really interesting emotional theme to it, too, of the one character, Chase, who had been abandoned as a puppy, was alone and scared and had to go back to the big city to, you know, save the day. And so my son's really been talking about that a lot, which is interesting for me, too, to see that he's relating to those emotional themes. So yeah. he's like, why was Chase sad? Like, because we talked about why Chase was sad. Oh, he was so scared, he, blah, blah, blah. And then he, and then he was brave at the end. And, and then he's just like, I'm brave. And I said, that's right. You were so brave when we had to get your vaccine. You were very scared because it reminded you of when you were a little baby and you were in the hospital and it was scary. And now you're bigger, just like Chase is bigger now. So like just talking that through. But um, yeah, just to go for full circle back to the constrictions like um the the constrictions also develop like like um when i talked about the motor planning i just wanted to say that you know now my son might still have motor planning challenges but they're a little bit different like now if he wants to build something i see him grabbing these blocks and just building and saying this is this is the restaurant, this is the garage, this is the mechanics shop. So it's coming along and he's making things. He still will say, oh, mama, build the hotel or build this. But yeah. um, but I wanted to see what you guys have to say about like constrictions and all the different types. So it could be that, you know, biologically you have these constrictions at this level and with time, you know, like, um, what are they called? Uh, neurodevelopmental reflexes or whatever, like your whatever grasp right. and your whatever this tonic clonic oh, yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. So those come together with time. Uh, so those might be constrictions early on. But then there's also like the environmental constrictions, which was my example in the movie theater. Like we do all these things. We, we know exactly what he's happy with. So we went on vacation for a week through Quebec and Montreal and had no problems at all because we knew exactly what's easy for him, what's hard for him. And all of a sudden I go to this theater, which I didn't even think about and then have this happen. And it reminded me like, oh, environmental constrictions. And then like Colette mentioned re relationship constrictions, like all of a sudden it's an, and you guys said new teacher, I'm not familiar with this teacher. That's a relationship constriction. So yep. is there anything more about that we can mm -hmm. elaborate on for parents? Cause I'm sure at this point, parents are thinking like, oh, my son does this, I wonder, yeah. and they have a lot of questions. So let's just give them some more meat. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, the list of constrictions, probably Colette and I could talk for the next hour and a half. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, I mean, I, I kind of start, I kind of start from, I don't know, my usual list is, are you in good health? Are you in any pain? You know, do you feel lousy because your immune system has given you a bad day? Do you have environmental? I mean, all that health stuff. Children are notorious, I mean, for getting used to just living with the condition of their body. They might not even complain anymore. And yet, you know, so sleeping, eating, feeling well. To me, it's all physical to begin with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, parents remembering that, that acronym of HOST. Hungry, overstimulated, no, hungry, overstimulated, sensory, and tired. So thinking about each of those first, I think, 
Um, then and there's then, the AA acronym of hung, HALT, Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. All, all of those things can get in the way and cause constrictions. Um, and I'm thinking about as kiddos go back to schools, making new relationships, new environments, all of those things are going to cause constrictions. A new lighting, a new way of sitting. I'm not sitting on the floor anymore and now I'm sitting in a classroom. What's that going to do to my body? And now there's a light right over my head and I can hear that light and, and that's gonna cause some constrictions for kiddos. Also, like I know with my son, sometimes, you know, he'll suddenly get aggressive and then, you know, half hour later, he has a bowel movement. And so you know that he was feeling uncomfortable in his stomach, in his tummy, but now usually he can articulate, have to poop and, you know, run. And, but a couple of years ago, he couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And, and we wouldn't know. And, you know, he only just recently started mentioning if he's hungry or not. Now, sometimes he eats like a humongous dinner and then he says, I'm hungry. And we know that he's not hungry anymore because he just ate so much, but we don't necessarily know if our kids are hungry or full or having these kinds of feelings. So that's a huge constrictor for sure. Mm -hmm. um, the, the way I think of it is there's this, there's this physical piece, which, you know, includes environmental, but it also includes, are you sick? Do you feel well? Are you rested? Then I'll, I'll just plug it. I'll just plug the interoception uh, podcasts I did with Dr. Glavinsky there oh, <laughs> that absolutely. people can refer to. That's a good one. The set, the what is, what are they feeling inside? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And do they know that they're feeling that way inside? But the, the another little um, visual that I use is the, the journey of information in your body to information out of your body has three places, three, three legs to that journey. It's input through your sensory systems. And that includes registration, modulation, integration, all those other things. It's like, are you actually getting the information that's going in? The next thing that information does is it goes to your brain and you process that information. So you may have a learning disability. You may have auditory processing, visual processing, kinesthetic processing problems. But so you go in, you know, your nervous system shuffles the information, gets it inside, gets it up to your brain. And then output is through the motor system, sequenced output. You can have constrictions. The why could be in any of those three legs or all three legs of that journey of information into information out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am also thinking about that information coming in, the processing and coming out and what we as floor timers know of the gift of time. Yeah. And, and it's not, it's one of those supports that we can give our kiddos of knowing okay, we've got to wait here until that response comes out. But in a classroom, in other social situations, even with extended family, are they going to know to wait until that individual processes and is able to have it come out? I'm thinking about information going in and out for us on four-lane highways. But for some oh. of our kiddos, it's a country road. They stop off for coffee at the cafe and then they come back out again. So mm -hmm. understanding processing speeds is oh, also so important. Okay support constrictions. You know, um, I'm reminded of a client whose kid, she always would kiss her little baby goodnight in her crib and say, good night, I love you. And then silence and would walk out. And one day she kissed her baby goodnight, I love you 
walked out of the room, forgot that she had had a laundry basket, brought it back in. And about 30 seconds later, her little girl said, good night, I love you. Oh. And she said she probably missed it every single night. Oh. So that discovery of that processing time to pull it together and get it out of your body, we, met, we, we wonder about that all the time as an yes. individual difference, right? right? Right. It's amazing, which is why walking, hanging out with speech therapists helps a lot too, because they're, <laughs> they're the ones that come out with that. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, and then there's a typical list, I think, that most mental health people learn anyway. Um, the usual individual differences are family income, resources, uh, you, you know, the usual demographic stuff. Um, uh, all those things are quite meaningful. Uh, is your family having the day when they can help you structure? That can be a big, a big difference uh, mm -hmm. that can talk about the planets being in alignment, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if you had to come home in a traffic jam, you're not going to be the best parent mm -hmm. when you walk through the door. You're not going to be the most developmentally supportive. So all those things are things to consider. And the joy of working with parents is they know this kid better than you will ever know this kid. Yeah. Yeah. So you can bring the frame, but the parents have to fill it in. And it is mm -hmm. so, oh, so much fun. It so is. Let, let's talk about that traffic jam for a minute, because if I were the parent driving home in the traffic jam, that's my constriction, uh, or it's going to constrict my um, ability to engage in, and all of that, thing, but all of them. But maybe I decide to listen to Jazz FM on the way home and feel relaxed, or I decide to do an audio book, and then I'm no longer in that frame of mind. So it, in that vein, what do we say to parents? Like, um, we're kind of talking in circles now, but just um, sort of to summarize uh, before we close, providing that support to see and work on those higher developmental levels and then going back if we see some dysregulation like is, is that the idea we want to support the constrictions but we also want to be able to challenge and not you know of course ideally we want the world to be supportive and not disabling for our children but that may not always happen so we also want to get in um, and I don't want to say we're challenging kids to go through things that are going to be traumatic. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when you're challenging someone developmentally. So, for instance, if I never taught my child to put on his shoes, he might never know how to put on his shoes. So similarly with other developmental steps that kids go through, we, we get them into these playful interactions and challenge them to get them to think, like, how are we going to solve this problem? Hmm. You know, and, and doing that um, in those so-called floor time sessions that parents will say, you know, our practitioners will say, do those floor time sessions at home. Is that where we really trying to support the constrictions to see that developmental capacities shine? I would think so because free, free play floor time, when in a place where it's safe and they're distract, you know, you've tried to eliminate all the distractions, you've tried to load the deck, so to speak, for a great interaction. You can often take that as the most challenging fun time, you know, within this real free play thing where the child's expectations are, this is going to be fun. I've got a good relationship with my mom and dad. I've got a good relationship with my therapist. They're going to go in and they're going to, we're going to start up and have a fun challenge. Uh, that's where a lot of progress can be made, you know? 
Um, but it can be quite challenging. Floor time can be quite challenging. It's not just fun and, fun and games, even though you're having fun. But sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're actually pushing in this very trustworthy environment with pennies in the bank. You know, this is a good, strong relationship. So this person can. Yeah, I had a, a, a little client from New York once, Colette, and I would we'd have these free time plays and he would look at me and he'd go, are you starting with me? Don't you start with me? And I'd go, would I start with you? I wouldn't start with you. You starting with me, you know, and and. But that was his signal to me that I was getting close to what his capacity was. Right. And, and so I could challenge him. I could go past that moment, but that was a little warning that, you know, I'm right where I don't feel good, Kathy. So cut it out. And, and how great is that as far as the cue reading and cue sending is concerned? Oh, oh, it was remarkable. That's, and that's such a that. huge piece for our families is yeah. that they know the cues that their child is sending, they can see the, the cue being sent, and they they're the ones who can read that cue to tell us when he says that, that means this is it, it's your warning, okay. right? It, or, you know, a, a kiddo that we saw at, at the institute curled his toes, we knew that was it, we all had That's to back it. off a little bit. So, parents reading the cues, they're the ones who are knowing where that constriction is happening and how they can support it. Yeah, yeah. Your, your brilliance in the theater, Daria, you weren't challenging your kid, you were supporting him so that he could move forward. That's a little different than getting in there and creating the challenge. Right. Life created the challenge and you knew to regulate him and you loaded the deck so that he could do it. But you had to do that in the moment. And, and more time sessions, we hope that we're going to load that deck, not out of necessity because it's about to have a meltdown, but because we're going the opposite direction, we're going to push, push, push a little bit. And maybe use that as a stepping stone for challenging. So now he's stuck on this emotional theme of Chase being scared and, and why was he scared? And so now we can use that to then challenge and, and promote that fifth capacity where he's thinking symbolically and understanding these emotional the emotional depth of what's going on or with Chase to, bring it, and, to bring it back to your example at the beginning how old is he does he have a pet how old is his pet which is you're hearing that a lot there may be an emotional theme behind that and of yeah. all people you're the one that's going to figure that out probably maybe he's afraid yeah. that you're going to die or that the dog's going to die or or mm -hmm. or 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 right yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. He, he wants to really ask more questions. And those are the questions he's been successful at, at in the past. Those feel good to him. And yeah. because, his, because his mom, who we trust, cares, loves, feels safe with, is going to answer those questions for him. And I remember someone saying that someone heard Temple Grandin say that she asked her mother the same questions over and over and over again, even though she knew the answer because she liked hearing her mother's voice. And now I remind myself of that when my son asks me like literally every two seconds, who's your favorite Koopaling from Mario Kart? And I say, mm -hmm. Larry. And you know, I've said that 15,000 times to him, <laughs> but he mm -hmm. likes to hear it. And then sometimes I'll vary it up and I'll be like, hmm, you know, but, um, and we didn't even get into follow the lead, but, that's one way we can help with constrictions is my son's into Mario Kart now. If it's a topic he doesn't like, that might be a constriction on his engagement. But if it's mm -hmm. Mario Kart, zoom, that's supporting his engagement and helping him rise developmentally. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you're yeah. on to it. 
Well, thank you so much, both of you, for being here and, and discussing constrictions. Um, I'm sure it, we've sparked uh, questions in people. If anyone has any more questions about it or experiences or stories to share, feel free to put them in the comments at affectautism.com under this blog post. Uh, the link will be up at YouTube, but the comments are disabled there, but the comments are open on the website. Uh, thank you both. And um, I'll put links to some of the past podcasts we spoke about in the blog post. Thank you so much. Thanks, Colette. Thank you. Thanks, Daria. Good to see you both. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Daria. Until next time, here's to affecting autism through playful interactions. This episode of Affect Autism was brought to you by affectautism.com. This is an independent endeavor on my part without any sponsorship. Please consider supporting the podcast and the website for as little as $5 US a month to receive extra bonuses, including floor time videos access, your questions answered on upcoming podcasts, my weekly insights video with my takeaways from each podcast, and more. You can become a member or a star member of Affect Autism at patreon.com slash affectautism.